Each episode of Education with an Edge is meant to create, cultivate, and inspire honest discussion about issues affecting youth. Hosted by author, artist, educator, advocate, and speaker, Jaquel Lane. Hello and welcome. I am your hostess, Jaquel Lane of Education with an Edge podcast, the podcast dedicated to all things children because we believe that every child matters and you should too. I go by she, her, hers pronouns, and I am so very excited to have Marcos Mora Barrientos on Education with an Edge today. And he is a third-generation Mexican-American born in Los Angeles, California, and raised in South Omaha. He comes from one of the largest Mexican-American families in Omaha, La Familia Barrientos, which has contributed to the Omaha music scene for 96 years. Marcos is a graduate of the Goodrich program at the University of Nebraska at Omaha with a bachelor's degree in Spanish and a minor in Chicano Latino studies. As a pillar in the Latino community, Marcos has become one of the most recognized leaders for his family's contribution in the arts, business, and South Omaha community. Welcome, Marcos. I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And I would be remiss to say that um, we are coming upon Cinco de Mayo and that it is extraordinarily important. And so I want to make sure I was going to do this at the end, but I got so excited about it. Um, You play a pivotal role in Cinco de Mayo in Omaha, Nebraska. And so can you tell us a little bit about the festival, what you're excited about this year, what people can look forward to, all that good stuff? Yeah, yeah. You know, the festival is coming. The big thing right now is... It's not on May 5th weekend, so everyone's like, why is it on May 5th weekend, you know? <laughs> it's on Mother's Day weekend. Do you want to know how I know that? Because I'm working it. I'm working it. <laughs> okay, let's see. There you go. I know. <laughs> so, I mean, otherwise, the festival, there's a reason why it's thrown off, because Berkshire Hathaway does theirs. You've got two huge, wonderful events for Omaha. We can't do them both on the same Absolutely. weekend. So, logistically, hotels, sponsors, expenses, everything, you can't do both. So, we just kind of moved it back. It all works out. So otherwise, you know, it's going to be a big weekend. The usual, we'll have the carnival, um, food. Everyone loves food. You know, got two stages with live music, exhibitors. And, you know, I think the big thing that everyone loves is the parade. The parade is just huge. And that goes down historic South 24th Street from D to L. And it is Omaha's largest, not Nebraska's largest parade. And it's just humongous all, humongous all the people that come down and visit the parade. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, we. I'm so excited. Um, I have gone every year since I've lived in Omaha, but I was not like working a booth and I'll be working it for the Omaha Children's Museum. So I'm so excited. Yeah, we look and forward to seeing you. You have over, okay, like thousands of people come to Cinco de Mayo. So how many are you expecting this year? Probably hundreds of thousands. Hundreds of thousands. So, uh, so you got to figure the parade is about a mile long, and there's just you know wall to wall people there. We estimate almost fifty thousand at the parade. Um, then they get, it's like a big wave that comes into the festival, and you got to remember that's about eight blocks. It goes on Twenty Fourth Street from L to Q, which is a long ways, and then the plaza, which is about another two blocks. So it's about a total space that, as far as the public's using, about eight blocks. I mean, with our storage space and parking, you know, we use about a mile of space and. That's a little bit difficult because you're in a business district, which one is great for the business district because it brings economics, right? It brings money, it brings business, but at the same time, trying to logistically maneuver everything, it becomes a little bit challenging. Otherwise, you know, it's going to be a lot of people down there. On Saturdays, really the big day, wall-to-wall people, 
Uh, you know, on Friday, it starts a little slow, but it picks up because we do a concert that night. Usually, we have Mexican regional artists. Wonderful. And then Sunday, we do the same thing because we've always been typical slower days. You, you, Omaha's always been a Saturday night. Yes, you know, yes, thing. very much so. So Friday, Sundays are always going to end. So that's why we do concerts on Friday, Sunday, because it drives people there. Um, so what you'll see on Sunday, it starts a little slow, but then by midday, the rest of the night, it'll be packed. That whole eight blocks will be packed. Oh, that is so exciting. I literally can't wait. And it's next weekend, which start, it's the 12th, 13th, and 14th. Correct. Awesome. Okay. Well, just like a total plug for Cinco de Mayo, but um, if you're listening, you're not going to want to miss it. It's amazing. Right, right. So I don't know when this is going to air, but... They could, with the website, they could always go to cdmomaha.com and they can find all the information, you know, they want on the web. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, Marco, since this podcast is dedicated to youth um, anti-bullying and suicide prevention, I wanted to kind of get into some questions about, like, you, um, can could you, like, tell us a little bit about your childhood, how you grew up? I know that music played, like, a huge important role in your life and it did for me as well and so um i would love to hear about that so sure well, well two things one is you know growing up i grew up i feel i like by culture right one was you know mexican music and food and then your other american side you know you went to school and listened to rock and other styles of music that were out there so i, I felt like i was by culture and got the best of both worlds you know my mom and dad also listened to soul music and, yeah we just loved everything. I just loved all styles of music and people. I've always been fascinated with culture and people from other countries. Um, but so, you know, the household and then our family was really, you know, aunts and uncles. We went to my grandmother's and grandfather's house every Sunday. So it's like my cousins were my brothers and sisters because we saw them every Sunday. My aunts and uncles, like my secondary mother and father. So it was a very rich and warm environment. But now in the neighborhood, that was a different thing. You know, when we, you mentioned bullying and things like that. Um, I had episodes of actually, you know, getting, I kind of oppressed that, a feeling of, of being bullied. One, and I think that's why I don't like bullies, you know. Yeah. And I talk to people about that. My own kids, it's like, you know, is anybody bullying you? Is, are you bullying anybody? Because bullying is not cool. Uh, and I remember as a teenager, because I was bullied, that I did not like when I saw someone else get bullied because I'd always stand up. Even if it was a big guy, I'd say, hey, da-da-da. Um, and, and a lot of it was just, it was usually bigger guys. It was yeah. these big, huge guys that thought they could da-da-da. I was pretty fast back then, so a lot of times I could just run and say, whatever, you know, yeah. uh, and other times. But I think a lot of the language, too, was, you know, very hurtful, you know, when it was, you know, towards my race. Racially, you know, yeah. Calling me, you know, taco, spick, you know, mm -hmm. da-da, and all yeah. those different stuff that, you know, and I totally forgot about that, you know, just kind of, as I grew up later, went to college, it was more embraced, you know, to be Latino and this and that. So, you know, I didn't have to deal with that, although society still deals with that. But that was some of the bullying that I faced uh, and I didn't like it. And I think that's why I later, when I would see bullies or go to dance and I see the same thing, a big guy picking a little guy, right. uh, you know, I jump in and help him because like, no, 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 you're not going to do that. Leave him alone. I say, okay, can I, you know, go ahead and go. I, I got this for you, you know. And, and the same thing, like I said, with other kids that I see just telling them, you know, hey, don't do that. Um, like my boys, I said, make sure, you know, you stick up for the person and don't you ever bully because uh, it's not a it's not a nice thing. Yeah, exactly. And thank you so much for sharing that, because I think that is important um, for kids to recognize. Like I say this all the time, you know, many people look at you and are like, oh, my gosh, she's this like 
famous musician and he does all these great things for the community and stuff like he's never been bullied or nobody's ever done and it's like so important for us to share our stories so that's really why I created this was like you know that's that's a big component of it so thank you um so very much for sharing that um this is kind of an interesting question I like I don't know um but what what do you think people misunderstand about you the most oh about me Everything. No, <laughs> you know it's weird because in the community, as you as you're low profile, it's almost like no one really cares about you. But as you start to do more things, um, and we try to mentor people. I was mentored by a lot of great people, Dr. Jim Ramirez, um, and so many others in the community. You know, our my aunts and uncles, all of them are mentors. My my mother and father, you know, all their hard work. Um, and what what ends up happening? I tell people, especially when someone starts working for me, I said they either love me I either they I walk on water mm-hmm. or I'm the biggest piece of uh, out there you know <laughs> it's one or the other and, and the misconception is then why am I the bad guy or why am I the great guy you know that you think all the wonderful things I do I think in society as we move up there becomes this envious behavior that we all face whether you're good looking or you're doing something good or blah 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 I think natural humanistic is to start pulling each other down and so I think even to this day, I sometimes get criticized, like, wow, you know, I've done all this stuff. I've given hundreds of thousands of scholarships. I've done this and that. I'm still never worthy of, of you know, maybe some people's love or their approval. But at some point in your, our life, I was like, you know what? I know who I am and what I do, and I think it's good, and I think I've affected a lot of people and helping a lot of people. So um, I'm just otherwise, I'm pretty, you know, I'm, I'm probably a little bit more introverted that people know so people are like really you're nervous it's like yeah sometimes i get on before i go on stage i get nervous a little bit you know or or doing whatever maybe not as much as i used to as a a young kid but i think when i was real young i was very very introverted uh afraid to speak up afraid to say something it was all in my head you know and so i i think sometimes when people say really you're introverted you're scared it's like well yeah sometimes i think we all are it's human right so i i think that's maybe some people don't know about me a little bit and Otherwise, I, I like to just kind of, I like to lay back a little bit, you know, a little bit and analyze things. And I think as a little kid, that's what I did. I'd, I'd be back in the classroom and watching everybody, seeing what everybody's doing, trying to figure everything out. And because, uh, you know, we always want to do the right thing in life, right? And we want to be accepted. Everyone wants to be accepted and loved. And sometimes that's, you know, difficult, when, especially when you're, when you're in your head, you know. So um, I would probably say that. Uh, I struggle sometimes with that, with, like I said, that love-hate for myself. When it's like, oh, we're just all trying to do good in the world. But I think that's part of life, too. So at some point, I think the best thing someone told me, I was about 23. And I remember, uh, I, was, I used to hang around older older guys. Sure. These guys were like in their 50s. And, and I remember one time I was mad because someone was saying something about me. I was like, man, they're talking about me. Blah, blah. He's like, he looked at me. This guy, he just shook his head. He said, young man, he says, it's not. You know, when they stop talking about you is when you got to worry. That's the problem. Because right? cause if you're not doing anything, then they don't care about you. So you must obviously be doing something. So that's why he talked to me. He says, don't sweat the little things, man. Everything's going to be all right. And I just kind of remember that uh, that moment. Because I used to, that, I think that's where I used to hang, hung around a lot of older guys. Sure. They wanted, they were like mentors to me and then just learning because they were more wise. Absolutely. So I think that was something good that I had learned. Oh, absolutely. I love that. I love the the concept of, yeah, if you're not doing anything, nobody's gonna nobody's gonna be talking about you, you know? So um and you being a musician, I think that, that that is interesting though that you kinda like to chill and hang back and maybe you're a little more introverted too. I used to tell 
um, like my students when I was a teacher, like, just do it afraid. You know what I mean? I do a lot of things to this day, like, just do it afraid. Like, um, you know, like, and and I think eventually, I don't want to say like you fake it till you make it, but you expose yourself enough to the fear, whether it's being on stage or getting on a plane or whatever, you know, that you'll like you overcome it. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. fake it till you make it. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> um, what is your what would you consider your biggest learning moment um, or what's maybe a failure and and what did you learn from that experience? What was uh, my biggest? Like learning experience, yeah. Learning experience. Well, I mean, we hopefully we're learning every single day. Um, I think my challenge for myself is um, I think we all like to push ourselves and I like to push myself and try to give 101%, 110%. And what I learned about myself is sometimes not everyone else can achieve that. And that's okay. Cause some of us can get right here to this bar. Some go a little higher, some a little lower. And I think my weakness is sometimes failure is to think that everybody can hit that bar and everybody can't. And sometimes I can't even hit it, you know, but I want to, I, I consider that a weakness, you know, right. uh, and sometimes, you know, a failure to know that you know, we want to inspire and be the best, but sometimes we're not always going to be that. And either is this person or that person, but how do we analyze each person to be the best they can be at their level? Yeah. And so sometimes we, when we say failure or, or struggle or an obstacle, I sometimes look at that within myself because that's me that has to understand, understand a little bit. And sometimes when I get a little frustrated, I think that's partial failure on my own part, yeah. you know, to think that, cause sometimes it's not real. Right. Exactly. Tell us about three of the most influential people in your life and how they've impacted or inspired you. Uh, well, one is my mother. Yeah. You know, we always have our, we always have our mom. Our family, but <laughs> mother, definitely. Um, you know, her struggle of, of her, um, she didn't have a, she didn't finish high school. Yeah. You know, so she ran off and, uh, had me in California and then, you know, had to come back and, uh, you know, my grandfather said, yeah, you know, come back. And, and then she eventually got married and, you know, she had more kids. And, and at that time she still hadn't had her, you know, high school, you know, at all, diploma at all. So she got her GED and she told my, both my parents didn't have their diploma. So she's like, Hey, we got to go get our diploma. And she made my dad do that. She did it. And that was really remarkable because after she passed away, my mom was very private. And I, then I looked at her taxes and like, wow, you, you moved up, you know, for not having any degree, anything, you know, she was making $50,000 and they wanted to make her a manager at the telephone company, but she didn't want that. She could have been making more, but I thought, wow, that's pretty remarkable. You know, you, you took care of your family, you worked hard. So her thing for us was always, I'm not going to give you anything. You're going to work for it all the time. Yes. And so she thrived that us into us real strong that, no, there's no freebies. Okay, you want a car? Okay, you're going to have to do this work for it. You have to do this and that. So, you know, I started hustling and working at a young age, you know. I was out selling, you know, lemonade on the street or mm -hmm. doing this or that, delivering papers, whatever I had to do. So always doing that. So my mother was definitely one. I think my, my grandfather has always had a huge influence, even though he died when I was 10. I just remember him all the time. And, and people would always come and say, oh, you remember me of your grandfather, you know, because he was like the one of the main musicians out there. Yeah. And they always remembered him and talked about him. So I felt like he was always still alive. Even when people still tell me, I feel like he was alive. And I I was his kind of favorite. Yeah. So, um, and I never understood until later because I, 
I was in the house and I, you know, he helped take care of me when I was young. And I think that's why I was his favorite. Um, so, th so that was a big thing. Um, aside from that, you said three, you know, another one, if I, if I look at community members, I'd have to say one is, you know, Dr. Jim Ramirez, you know, he's another one that worked in the packing house, worked in the packing house and went and got his degree, eventually got his doctor's degree. You know, he was our only Latino in the educational system. I mean, can you imagine you working hard work in the packing house and you worked your way up, got your degree, doctor degree, and then you, you know, got into the public school system, then the university system to change it. That was so inspiring. So inspiring. He inspired so many of us and mentored us to, to be better. And that was, just, and you know, and the way he did it too, it wasn't always, oh, here, do this or do that. Just kind of like here, leading you a little bit to kind of take you out there and do and inspire us to do more. So. He's still alive. Uh, he's older now, but uh, you know, I found later pictures of him when he played sports, Mexican sports, and basketball. I didn't even know he did all that. But just an amazing man. Amazing man. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. That's um, and I'm sure that means like the world to him. But also the fact that he was able to, I always like to call it like reaching back, right? That he like reached back to his community to bring others up, and that's what we should all be doing, right? Right. You should always like be reaching back who can i help who can i inspire um so that's beautiful um if you could have coffee with any historical figure um and it can be within your culture or it can be just in the world who would it, who would you choose dead or alive uh, yeah dead or alive huh um you know i've always been a fan of the the 60s and 70s i thought well that would have been a cool era just to kind of grow up and i mean being at your age of like you know 19 to 25 or just that whole yeah hippie era or whatever it was cool um uh, you know one of my musical heroes would be like santana yeah so i think it'd be just cool to you know just god you could talk about everything from music to the the hippie scene to woodstock to all that cool stuff so i'd probably say carlos santana I would. That's very cool. Have you ever gotten to see him in concert or? Yeah, yeah. I have seen him a, a couple times and just an amazing, amazing concert and just unbelievable. His uh, just soul that comes out of him playing guitar and definitely inspiration of me playing guitar. Um, you know, and some of the best compliments. Oh, my God, you're just good at Santana. It's like, not really, but hey, thank you. That's amazing. No, you do have, I can definitely see you in the 60s and 70s. You definitely have an awesome, awesome vibe, like very chill. So that would be cool. Yeah, I love just, I, I love the whole concept of peace and love. It's just, yeah. can't we all get along? Can't we all just, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, hate, hate is not a good thing in our lives. So, and it tears us apart. So that's why I always just love the, the peace and love thing. Absolutely. Um, so this is an interesting question. What has been one of what one favorite job that you've held in your life and why? One favorite job? Yeah. <laughs> Probably what I do now. You know what? I didn't I never really worked a ever worked a real full time in my life. I, I never I never liked it. Uh right. I just I think because as a teenager I didn't like to be told what to do. Mm -hmm. And so my mother would be like come home because she wants to do the dishes and stuff like that and mow the lawn like oh, I'm busy mom you know and so I'd get my friends to do it you know and I'd have them do it and then she, I told you to it's like well I'm busy so I had them do it because you know they owe me money <laughs> and then she get mad at me it's like well what does it matter it's getting done so I think I've never been one to really be like to told to do I like to create my own destiny so I mean in college I, love that. I went to college because like, I do need to get a real job music doesn't really pay and you know, I did a couple other projects, so I went back to school, and 
Um, I actually had a full ride. I threw it away mm-hmm. when I was a teenager. I never told my mom and dad. I just threw it away. I'm not going to school. Da da da. And then later I came back and went to school and the scholarship was still good. And then I was going to work at the university. They offered me a job. And then I started a bad eco newspaper and that took off, did really well. Then I sold it. And I really just like, you know, continue to work for myself and then, um, started my other company and did some marketing and consulting and, and then really this whole festival thing is like, wow, I really like this, you know? So I like what I do now of being self-employed and really, you know, building the festivals and, you know, I'm working on three festivals this year, looking at a fourth, uh, I do real estate on the side for investment and then music just for, to forget about the world. So, I mean, everything I do, I love. So I guess right now is living my dream job. Living your dream job. Yeah. You've created that. But I think that's important for young people to know that that's possible too, that there are people that you can create it. Like if you want, if, if there's a certain kind of lifestyle that you want, or you're passionate about whether it's music or art or, you know, what, like you can incorporate that into your daily life and make a career out of it. 100%. Right. They just need to work hard and yeah. push yourself hard and know that no one's going to do it for you. Right. And you got to get out there, push, push, push. And I think the biggest thing too is at work, you know, oh, I, yes. I notice a lot of young people aren't getting out as much as they used to. And I know we're all stuck in this bubble with our social media and our phone, but we need to kind of, and I know we have the social media network out there but we still need to meet people and get out there because that network is going to be really important it's so it's so essential um and also just creates and teaches social skills right that we all like can benefit from um so as you said you're an entrepreneur you're living your your dream um what's what's some like what's one of the biggest challenges of being like you know self-employed or being an entrepreneur and kind of blazing your trail like what would you say well, you have to have a lot of drive. And if you don't have drive, I see some people try it, some don't succeed. And one is like, said, you know, drive constantly pushing. You're going to have good days and bad days, especially at the beginning. And you got to understand that. And I think that's the way life is too. And I tell people, you know, we are going to have those bad days, but it's how you pick yourself up from those bad days and you continue to strive forward. Because if you can't, it's going to be really hard to keep moving forward. So I think that's a, a big part of it. Um, but otherwise, I, I, had some times where I didn't make a lot of money, you know, I, I, I really did. And I'd have to say, oh, here, we're going to the grocery store today and we've got $20 to spend, you know, but I was still at peace because I didn't really feel like, I don't think money buys happiness, you know, I think it buys freedom a little bit and maybe some luxuries, but ultimately that doesn't com- bring you complete happiness. So, so I have, I've had those moments where it was just, yeah, I struggled for years and years, but I was still happy mm-hmm. and people said, oh my God, I envy you because you're doing what you like to do. Yeah. Okay. Well, I only made $27,000 this year and, but I'm still happy. Yeah. And I got to go exercise and do all the cool stuff I wanted to do when I could. Maybe I, I couldn't take a trip to wherever, da, 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 but I, I was still happy. Yes, exactly. So. I, and that, that is important, especially in our society. Like you have to weigh like, I mean, let's say you're making $250,000 a year, but you absolutely hate your job and you're working like really egregious hours. Um, is that worth it? Right. Like, okay. is it worth it? Um, so that's, that's, that's a good point because point. that's sometimes why I haven't taken a real job because mm-hmm. I have been offered really a lot of money. I was like, um, but it's like putting a tiger in a cage and you're going to cage him up. It's like, well, can I breathe? Can I, you know, experience freedom? I don't know if I could or not. Absolutely. Um, what is the best compliment that you've ever received? 
Best compliment was from a, an older man. This really down. I didn't know at the time, but he was really down. And um, I must have been about, well, there was two couple, but that main one was like, I was tw about 25, no, I was about 27 years old. And I was really playing guitar with all these guys who were really good. And uh, I remember that show too. I played really good. I was practice, practicing. And he come up to me and just kind of very subtle and just says, man, you made my day. He says, you took me away from the sour, the sour, 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 I'm not saying the word right. You know, this whole down day that I was having, for one second, you just took me away and I felt at peace. That was like the coolest compliment. You could ever receive. Ever, ever, ever. I think the other one too was, I wrote a song for my mom. Well, she was actually making food for Thanksgiving and I grabbed my guitar and I was like, oh my God, this melody, ooh. And I wrote the melody, all the whole, I wrote the whole song. And then I hurried up and ran because I had a, my own studio. So I ran to the studio, recorded it, um, and came back. I, you know, I was back like in about 40 minutes. I, if I don't record this now, I'm never going to remember it. So later when I played a concert, I had my CD and then someone had gotten that CD and they said, she, this, that's our song. They said, well, you played our wedding. They said, that's me and my wife's song. I was like, oh my God, I got a song that somebody That's song. beautiful. Yeah. That's like the most yeah. special day of someone's life. Right. And the song was called Gracias. And it was just an instrumental that I played this different stuff. It was just all me. And then that's their song. I was like, okay, I got somebody out there. Really? That's my song. No, that's, uh, that is, that is awesome. Um, if you could go back and give your 18 year old self advice what would it be and why oh my gosh i mean life's experiences you know learning life experience i guess we could go back i wish my mom and dad would have told me um more about they were good at telling us to work hard and save your money yeah but invest that money mm -hmm. you know i wish i would have known that then uh, because i was good at saving my money i've always saved you know a dime here a dollar here whatever it may be but I was always really good at that, but I wish someone would have told me to invest. So, you know, what I tell my boys now and, and other youth people is, you know, start investing at a young age, yeah. even if it's just a, a little bit, $100 or this or that, you know, because later when you get older, 30, 40, 50, you know what, you're going to have a little nest egg there that you can start investing. Learn about, you know, real estate, learn about saving, learn about Roth IRA, learn about the stock yes. market, all that different stuff yes. and diversify that and start when you're young. Yes. Yeah, I wish I would. No, that's excellent advice, um, especially in terms of like, like cyclical wealth for different cultures, right? Like it's important, like to have that, to have that knowledge, yes. like early, um, because sadly it's been withheld from people. Yeah, they should really look consider teaching in school or yeah. something. They yeah. really, really need to know. We learned this, this, and that, but that's just gosh more people would do that so i wish someone would have told me that when i was that age yeah especially since resources create opportunities for them to then go on and help other people yes. so um so very important um if you could live anywhere in the world where would it be besides omaha nebraska because <laughs> it's amazing i know you know i i Read and saw this thing. They were talking about some of the most happy people in the world. And, and a lot of them were very simplistic lives, lived in a hut on an island with sand and a beach. You know, the sun makes me happy. Me too. Um, and I like to be around the sun and the outdoors. I think if I could just 
live on some peaceful island, you know, where there was just sand and sun. And you don't really have to worry about dressing really fancy. You just kind of, you know, your toes in the sand. I think that would be it. I don't know if that's a specific place, but I mean, it could really be just anywhere, to yeah. be honest, just to, I, there's something about just coming out and you feel the ray of the sun coming on you. It's like, wow, this feels good. It's a good day. You yes. know, now the sun's out finally, finally. the last couple of days, it's like, wow, this feels good. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So I, I think whenever I get to retirement, I need that. I'm going to have to find that. Have to find that. Go where the sun is. Um, what was your favorite subject in school? Um, you know, I was pretty good at, I was always good at math. I don't, I'm not saying that that was my favorite subject. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was gym. Yeah, that's good. It was always, hey, who's the fastest? Because my, my one son, I was like, hey, are you still the fastest in school? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, I was the fastest too, you know? So I, I think, you know, sports was always, you know, build your confidence. Oh, you know, acceptance. I was, you know, in wrestling. I went undefeated and played football and gymnastics. I mean, that wasn't really a subject, but I think sports definitely was a way to be, you know, accepted and, and, and meet new people and, and things like that. Uh, I think writing too. I really, uh, some of the writing that I did, I remember I would, you know, I remember they give you those vocabulary words. Yes. Okay, you got 10 vocabulary and I got to write a story. And I'd always write these humorous stories. And then, and then I did that again in college. Very and, creative. And I saved that. It's like, oh, you know what? I need to expand these stories, maybe to turn into some short stories or do a book with it or something. Mm-hmm. So, I think that's also my right brain creative side sure, too. Sure. So I think I enjoyed the writing. Um, I just wish I had more time for it. More time for it. Yeah. 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 Um, so obviously, and I want to get into this, but you mentioned about like gym and things like your health is very important to you and you run like a very, you run a very fast race with not just like your professional endeavors, but with your musical endeavors and things like that. How do you, because um, I think it's important to talk to young people about how successful people keep themselves healthy and thriving and positive. So like, what are some of the routines that you do fitness wise to like help keep your body in the kind of shape so that you can like sure achieve what you do? Well, I think one is no excuses, right? Yeah. So <laughs> I hear that all the time. Oh, I don't have time. It's like, I don't really have time either. We're all busy. And you see some of these great leaders and people that they just figure out how to do it. And it's just budgeting your time. What's important to you. So so I've always incorporated that. Um, there's some days, especially in the summer, I'll work out two, three times a day, you know. It might be a 15-minute ab workout. It might be a walk when I'm talking to a client on the phone. I got 30 minutes in. Um, and then I might do the gym for 30 minutes. Because I, I am on a tight schedule, a lot of my workouts are just, you know, yeah, 30 minutes, no playing around. We're going in there and keep it going. So you have to find what works for you because just because this works for me doesn't mean it works for you. Um, and you got to be able to have it of that. Do I, I want that? And, and basically no excuses. Um, otherwise we're just not going to get there, you know, and I, we do need to take care of our health and it's just, just exercising. It's eating well, and it's just having a balance of the two, you know, and, and challenge yourself and do, is it hard? Yeah, it's hard. Nothing's ever going to be easy in life, right? But you have to do that. So I tell young people all the time to, to really look at that because also if you're a musician, if you're a singer, you also have to breathe, right? We have to breathe. We have to do this and that. So it will help us in everything in our stress levels. And well, one is just stress. You know, exercising can release the stress. So we need to do that. You know, my boys went through a, a period where they all had this little chunky stage and, you know, and, and kids, you know, don't seem like they play as much. Well, us, we would play outside all day, all night. They'd have to drag us back to come in, you know, 
and maybe that's why I'm still in good shape now. We played everything from, you know, kickball to baseball to football to swimming. You know, every day we were doing something. It was just nonstop. Even in the winter when it was raining, when it was snowing, it didn't matter. And so when I would take my, my boys to the restaurants, like, no, you guys are drinking water. Now they're so, I've trained them so well. Your punishment is push-ups. You're drinking water <laughs> at the thing. And, and some days when I didn't think they got enough, I'd drop them off a mile from house. Well, what are you doing? Get out. I was like, what do you mean? You're walking home. You know, and I'd make them walk. So I had to drive them. So, you know, someone also has to drive you, inspire you, find something that you like and, and, and try it and don't give up on it, but continue to work on it. Like, you know, I stopped eating red meat. Yeah. That was hard. I love red meat. I love, I love steak. Uh, it's been about three years and three months that I stopped. The first three months were hard. They were really hard. It was like, oh my God, I love meat. Oh my God, that smells so good. But it was better for me and I feel better because I don't now. So, so you got to get over that little bit of hump. That little bit of a hump. Yeah. No, excellent advice. Um, if you were to win $10 million tomorrow, where would you utilize those resources and why? Well, one is definitely to... We're going to bring that into the universe, by the way. I don't know. Go buy a lottery okay. ticket. <laughs> I don't know what the Powerball is. <laughs> well, I think the biggest thing people say, oh my God, I'm going to buy this to spend that. Da, da, da. Well... No, I think most of that you maybe get something that you, you need or you want or just give your treat yourself. Every day, and I have to remind myself that because my mom was driven me like save, save, save. And yes. I don't really, like, I'm not a bit, yeah, I'm not a big spender. So yeah. um, I'd probably treat myself to maybe uh, get a Tesla, you know, get a, yeah. you know, an electric car and get myself a Tesla. Cause I, I, but I don't really think a car is a good investment. Mm -hmm. I don't believe in spending a lot of money in cars. I don't think so. What would I do? I'd probably get some property, I'd invest it into, something else that's going to make the money work. Mm -hmm. So guess what? So we can double up that money and make it work for the future. Yeah. I mean, that's what I would do with it, but I wouldn't go spend it all just on whatever. I'd take, you know, probably at least three-fourths of it and just invest it into something else. I would give back, too, to some organizations also. I think, you know, I've worked with organizations that, you know, have helped me and given back to my causes and scholarships and youth and things like that. So I think and give back some, too, you know. Absolutely. Um if you, because you talked about your creative writing side and your love of creativity, if you were to write a book tomorrow, what would you write about? I've been wanting to write about my life. Yeah. You know, just the obstacles and the, the ups and the downs. And if anything for myself, maybe for my kids, for other people, just to inspire. Uh, I've always lived my life and pivotal through ups and downs, you know, but mainly those downs, you know, how do you recover from those downs? So I've always wanted to write a book, you know, more about myself and just kind of what I went through and the different things to get here. Absolutely. And that's so inspiring to other people. Like we have to, you know, let people see us like fully and authentically and know our story. Um, and that truly like can help them. Biographies are one of my favorite I know, me books too. to read just because you have no idea like what some people went through to get to where they are, um, which will lead into my next question. So what is a good book that you've read recently that you'd like recommend? Well, recently I've been listening to audiobooks. Yes. No, that's good. When you're walking, I do that too, or working out or whatever. So audiobook books have been my new thing lately just because, you know, busy, but I still want to utilize my time. So I've right now been into fasting. Yeah. So I just listened to about three different uh, fasting audio audiobooks. You know, I was watching uh, a guy from Thor. Yeah. Um, and he had a show, Limitless, and he talked how the body can be really pushed. Yeah. He did all these different things from breathing techniques to swimming to the 
or it goes you know, in the cold and da da da. But the one I found fascinating on episode three was the fasting it and the benefits to fasting and how it cleanses our body. And so I do intermittent fasting at least three to four times a week. Um, I do 24 hour once a week, you know, just, you know, to cleanse my body. I want to get up to a 72 hour. Uh, I'm all, my max right now has been 36 hours, yeah. but that's my goal because there's some really health benefits of cleaning dead cells within. Uh, whether you believe that or not, it is, it is again, is, is it something easy? Is it fun eating? <laughs> not really. Uh, 24 hours isn't bad. Yeah. Um, getting past the whole day of not eating, it's like, uh. so I think, uh, yeah, I, I, so I listened to some, uh, different audio books on, on fasting and just, yeah, I really enjoyed it. That's awesome. No, I'm always up for, so I'll have to check them out. And I think it's uh, one of the things that I admire so much about you, Marco, is that you're always trying to better yourself and um and i think that that's that that's awesome you know so um we all need to be better with our diet with our spirituality with our careers with um there's always an opportunity for improvement um one of the things that i want to touch on before we kind of come to a close is like your concert lineup um for this summer and things like that i know that you're going to be performing at some different venues this summer but I want our audience to be able to like follow you and see what you're doing. Um, you have a great partnership with Omaha Performing Arts. And so can you tell us a little bit about that and what's to come? Yeah, so I, I built a website. It's called uh, MarcosEduardo.com. And it kind of shows throughout time, you know, playing. I got a picture. I think I, think I my youngest when I started was seven. Oh, wow. I was performing. So there's a picture of me when I was seven years old. <laughs> um <laughs> So yeah, the summer I like doing shows, bigger shows, and you know I don't much enjoy the bar scene anymore. But um, so my first one will be coming up with you know um, Cinco de Mayo on May thirteenth on Saturday during the day, I think at two thirty or so, um, with the Santana Truby Band. Uh, another group we got is Experience. That's a really cool project I want to do. Get that soul music type of stuff. Yeah. I just I just love that. So um, we'll be doing some shows with that. Otherwise, I know we're doing some private stuff. I know we're doing some for Lawrence and Gardens, but I think that's private or for members only. Otherwise, you know, Jazz on the Green, which is the big one. Mm. I mean, for any musician that if you're not a professional moving around, you know, the United States, that's probably the biggest you're going to get because you've got about 10,000 people. And, yeah. um, I've done Jazz on the Green before, and it's not just also performing. For me, it's perform music, but it's also give them a show. You know, we're going to have platforms and dancers and singers and you know musicianship it's gonna be like a jazz in the green that you haven't seen before um and then i just went to with the performing arts i've been helping them since the beginning as you know advisory and helping them with different groups and cultural elements and things like yes. that so i got invited last night to go to their you know opening for the uh, steel house yeah and that was just an amazing venue so the, and then they i was like oh my god look at this stage and i was like i'd love to perform here and then, then they come up to me, oh, yeah, guess what? We want you to perform in, in, oh, in August. I was like, really? I was like, oh, my God. Uh, so, yeah, so it looks like I might be doing something there. But I don't know if that was going to be for the public either. Um, but if they go to the website, you know, marcoseduardo.com, it'll just kind of show where some of our public ones. We always do shows at the Jewel. What? If you've never been to the Jewel, it's just a wonderful, incredible venue. Brian's from uh, Manhattan. He's knows good music, and he, you know, really fixed the sound. There's not a bad seat in the house, so great environment. So, yeah, just kind of look around. We'll be around here and there throughout the summer playing. Awesome. Well, we cannot wait. I know I can't wait. I love I love to watch perform, and I'm so excited for Cinco de Mayo. 
Uh, I'm so very grateful that you were able to be here with us on Education with an Edge, sharing your love of music and your love of your culture um, just in time for Cinco de Mayo. Um, and I just, I'm, I'm a huge fan, as you know, and you're a very good friend to me. So thank you for being here. Well, thank you for having me. Yes. And to our audience, um, this is Jaquel Lane with Education with an Edge. I just want to say thank you so much for tuning in. Also, a shout out to our sponsors, BetterHelp.com and the Nebraska Foundation for Suicide Prevention. If you are a young person um, that is struggling right now, just remember that we need you. We need your love. We need your light. Um, continue to t- tune in to hear from inspiring people who um, have great uh, uh, you know, advice on how to overcome obstacles. And until next time, have a great day. If you have a question or just want to learn more, go to jaquellane.com. Thanks for listening to Education with an Edge. A Huda Media Production.